0: Good morning, everyone. morning. Um, It's just gone 10-2. I urge everyone not to panic um, because we're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, Normally, we go through a passage of Scripture and we work our way through it and see what we can learn from it. Um, Today, just in realizing that in two weeks' time we're going to have a baptismal service here, I thought we would look at a topic today, and that's a topic... Of baptism and believers' baptism as we practice it here as Baptists. Um, so, just got four simple points today that um, I would like to bring to you. I have left my clicker down. Um, I would rather have it. One second. Sorry, Joanne will help you <laughs> So, um, if you want, keep your Bible open, uh, and we'll just read the Scripture uh, about what it has to say about baptism. Um, if you're thinking about baptism, take pay attention today uh, and consider what the Scripture says. Um, four of our young people, so far will be baptized in two weeks' time as they honour um, the Lord in obedience to that. So, if you just want to follow on with what we are talking about today, that's that's okay too. So just and we listen to the Scripture as as I read it. So but the first one that we want to look at today is found in Acts two, verse thirty eight. Acts two, verse thirty eight. Just one verse. Okay, verse thirty eight. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. I have three grown up children. And as they grew up a little bit and got a bit more independent, sometimes when we left the house, we would leave a little task for them to do. And you know the sort of thing that I mean One, if you're a teenager that your your parents ask you to do, or if you're a parent. And so things like this. Put the spuds on when we're out. Easy, you would think. Could you walk the dog, please, when we're out? Can you tidy up the sink when we're gone? So you go out for the day. You spend your long day at work or shopping or whatever importance it is uh, that you're doing. And then you come back to the house and guess what? The potatoes are still cold in the pot. The dog has at the furniture because it hasn't been walked. And there's more dishes in the sink than when you left. Now these girls over here know exactly what I'm talking about. And then you say, as a parent, what every parent since creation has said in frustration. I asked you to do one thing, one thing. See, most of us who have children have an expectation that because we love them and because they love us that when we ask them to do something that they do it the reality is that sometimes they do do it and sometimes uh, they don't do it but this is part of growing up this is just part of the learning experience one small step at a time one obedience at a time and when a person becomes a christian We must realise that we've got a lifetime of obedience in front of us. A lifetime maybe of difficult choices and decisions that will honour and obey Jesus. But right at the beginning of our relationship with him, Jesus asks us to do one thing. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into the subject of baptism this morning. So... The point that I'm making right now might be blatantly obvious to you. But the simplest explanation that I can give you about baptism, believer's baptism, is it's a simple act of obedience to Jesus. He asks this one thing of us at the beginning of our walk with him. There's going to be more things to obey later, probably more difficult things that will cost us later. But one of the first baby steps in our obedience to the Lord is to go through the waters of baptism. And why? There's a few reasons that we're going to look at today. But the first one is this, and it's easily remembered. Jesus asks us to do it. Is that not reason enough? Second thing, and important thing that I'd like us to look at today, is that baptism doesn't save. Let's uh, look at Luke 23. Luke 23 verses 32 to 43. Luke 23 verses 32 to 43. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right hand and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. People stood watching, and the rulers sneered. They said, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. You know, there's a, a, a myth, or perhaps a, a lie, we could call it, a misunderstanding maybe at best, that even in our evangelical Protestant culture that the act of baptism in itself will save a person from hell. Or even that baptism is something that we need to do as well as something else in order um, to be a believer and to go to heaven when life is over. Then there's another Misunderstanding that a baby should be baptized or even dedicated to make sure that it has somehow eternal life at the end of this one. That somehow the act of baptism will make that child a Christian. The truth is we can find nothing of this in the Bible. It is more or less superstition. You see, baptism doesn't save. Whether it's the baptism that we practice with adults or whether that's the sprinkling of a baby don't ever get confused baptism will not see you and in this passage that we've just read from Luke 23 there's no mention of baptism and that's my point here here we find a man who's lived his whole life in rebellion to both God and the authorities his criminal lifestyle has caught up with him and he's on the very wrong side Uh, unlike Jesus he's on the very wrong side of Roman justice death is just minutes away and he deserved this in many ways he's deserved this punishment but the anger and the judgment of God is also near the lost eternity is what is ahead of this guy and there's nothing that he can do there's nothing physically that he can do as he hangs on a cross there's no time left to go to church no time left to do charity work no time left to make amends definitely no opportunity left to be baptised so what does he do? he accepts that the man next to him is who he said he was is who John the Baptist said he was that he was the Lamb of God and that's why he was dying at the cross at Calvary So this helpless criminal with his dying breaths pleads. He pleads for God's forgiveness. And what does he say? He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is how people are saved. When they plead for the mercy of Jesus. When they trust in what Jesus did at the cross at Calvary. No different for us today. This is how... You can be saved too if you've never made that commitment. There's not a thing that we can do to add to the saving work of Jesus at the cross. You'll maybe remember the words of the old hymn. It says this. Nothing in my hand I bring and simply to your cross I cling. Naked come to you for dress. Helpless look to you for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me saviour or I die. Baptism doesn't save. Another thing that we need to look at is that baptism is a symbol of community. And let me just explain that a wee bit more. Let's look up Jeremiah 31 and we'll read a few verses. Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 33. verse 31 says this the days are coming declares the lord when i will make a new covenant with the people of israel and with the people of judah it will not be like the covenant i made with their ancestors when i took them by the hand to lead them out of egypt because they broke my covenant though i was a husband to them declares the lord this is the covenant i will make with the people of israel after that time, declares the Lord, Lord, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Isn't that wonderful? They will be my people. You see, God's people are to live lives that are different and distinct to the world around us. The Bible makes this very clear. We're expected to live lives um, that, that set us out and set us apart. We're marked out by, by the way that we live our lives. When people gossip, believers don't do that. At least they shouldn't do that. When others lie, we tell the truth. When a brother or sister needs our help, we do our best to give it. Christians are God's people who are called to live as a family. They're called to live in community. And Christians are part of God's family, God's community, a community made up of people who have been born again into that family. We were born the first time, but we are born again into this new family. And sometimes people call that the covenant community. See, the thing about belonging to an organization, and you'll probably notice this, is that every club, every organization in life that you can join has a symbol that identifies the organization that that person belongs to. We can all think of something, can't we? Think of the 12th of July. What is the symbol that marks the orange Men out? So right back in Genesis 17, God commands his people that they should be identified by circumcision and by the obedience to him. And circumcision was the Old Testament mark of the Old Covenant. But we've just read Jeremiah 31. And what does it say? Have another look at it. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. God's letting his people know here that he's about to do something new, something different. What does he say? He says, I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. What does that look like to you and to me? In 2018. On Friday, I just took a minute or two um, to write out something I've never done before, just to write out God's law, to write out the Ten uh, Commandments. And and these rules um, are are how God expects his people uh, to live. And back there in Jeremiah, he, he told the people to live according to my law, to be circumcised, and people will recognize you as my people, God's people. But there was a problem. God's people broke the law. But look at verse 33. Have a look at verse 33 if your Bible still open. What does it say? It says, I will write the law on their hearts. And the picture here that's being given to us, you have the law on one hand to be looked at and to be obeyed as hard as it is. But God says, I'm going to take a pen and I'm going to write it on your hearts like this here. You see the difference? There's a difference between having the law here and trying to obey it and having it coming from the inside when you love it and you don't fear it. This is the new covenant, and we are His new covenant people. And this new covenant people are known as the church. And our symbol of belonging is baptism. One more thing, one last thing. It's a symbol of our new life in Jesus. And what a great picture, what an amazing picture will be symbolized here on Easter Sunday of new relationships with Jesus. See, when a a true believer is baptized, it's just symbolizing what's already gone on in here, what already has happened just want to look at the imagery of a few verses for a minute. Look up Romans, and I promise it's the last one. Romans 6, verses 3, 4, and 5. Romans 6, starting at verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Just read verse 5 as well. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. We were buried with him through baptism. Ask yourself a question, what symbolizes burial the best? Sprinkling a little bit of water over someone, does that symbolize burial well? What about immersing someone right down into the water? What one looks most like a burial? Wouldn't it be a bit odd if we went to the graveyard and we were about to bury someone when the undertaker just sprinkles a little bit of soil over the coffin and says right let's go we'll just leave it at that doesn't really do things properly does it and you see the very word baptism in the original language that it was written down in that means to dip or to immerse or to sink if God had wanted us to sprinkle a little bit of water then it would have been a completely different word that was used and so the picture that's painted here the imagery and the language are very clear so who are we to change what God has already asked us to do and when we're dipped in the water of baptism we're symbolizing and identifying with the burial and the death of Jesus but here's the good bit here's the really really good bit when we're raised back up from the water we're identifying with Jesus as he raises back up from the dead we symbolize his resurrection this new life what does Romans 6 4 say it says we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father we too may live a new life we too may live a new life spiritually we have been resurrected to live new and obedient lives this has happened that happened when we were saved and we're changed and we don't live the way that we used to live anymore but then one day like jesus we too will be physically raised do you ever think about that we will be physically and bodily raised to a new and eternal life with jesus These four points that we've looked at this morning are just a very quick look at um, what we call and what we practice believers' baptism. I'm just going to finish now, but as we think about this, this phrase believers' baptism raises two questions, and it's two questions that everyone in this room, everyone in this room, need to ask themselves. And the first one, as the most important one, is: Am I a believer? wonder do you have that security have you ever asked jesus for forgiveness like that thief who hung on the cross have you really thought about what it means that your sin will keep you out of heaven the unbelievers will spend an eternity away from god's presence (coughs) away from god's people in the place of separation and punishment that the bible calls hell like that down, thief. why not ask Jesus for that forgiveness? good news is you can walk out of this room today saved. What about believers? Have you been baptised? If you're a believer and you're going on with God and you've never been baptised, can I ask you a question that was asked by a man in Acts 8.36 You don't need to look it up. They asked this question, what can stand in The way of my being baptized. Now, if you know that passage, you'll find that there was nothing standing in his way and he was baptized. Can I turn that question around a wee bit this morning? What's standing in your way of being baptized? The baptismal service here in two weeks' time. Four of our young people will take that step of obedience that we talked about at the beginning um, to Jesus, to their Lord and Saviour, and to be obedient in baptism maybe you're a believer and you've never been baptized but you're interested in it then please talk to us please talk to me talk to Sharon, Pamela whoever you want and we can look into that for you but as a close now I just want to finish uh, with some more words from the words of Acts again you don't need to look it up it's Acts 2 verses 36 to 41 and it says this therefore The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off. For all whom the Lord, our God, will call. Thank you for listening.